one-third of crash fatalities in Maryland. And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And we are live on this Saturday morning, December the 15th. Stan the Fan along with Craig Heist and the bat around is on as it is each and every Saturday from 10 to 12. We're fortunate enough to have my co-host in this week, Craig Heist. And we ask everybody at the outset of the show to like the show and to share the show. Right, Craig? That's exactly right. All right, because that helps us get the cum numbers that allow us to get advertisers, that allow us to pay the big bucks to Brittany Everett. That right. That allows her to buy a, a Capitals uh, shirt. You know, are you on camera yet? I, I can put myself well, up. Put, 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 put yourself up on camera. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're there? Uh, going for it, but you can talk. All right, good enough. Well, I just want everybody to take a look and see the devotion that this young lady has oh, for the Washington Capitals and especially throughout that playoff run that led to the Stanley Cup final, uh, the title last year, and, and the win over the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. I just, I just want everybody to see exactly what kind of commitment there is to, to rooting for your, I can't say hometown team, but the closest thing that we have That's to. That's right. That's right, there you go. See? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Very nice. I even got the uh, the patch going on. You got, yeah. you, you, you're there. Now, who is number 92? Evgeny Kuznetsov. What happened to Ovechkin? I thought that was who you loved. I, I do love Ovechkin, but he was my old jersey, so I had oh. to get somebody new. All See, right. and, and you know what happened? Now that she's got the old jersey, right? it's almost like Ovi's reinvented himself. Back-to-back hat tricks on consecutive games. Right. Uh, leads the as league. As soon as she got rid as of the soon old as, shirt. Right, exactly. Do you sleep in the old shirt? No, I no, don't. You don't? <laughs> okay. All right. By the way, our congratulations to our producer, Brittany Everett. Yeah. Just finished. She's graduating Towson right? this year. Only That's took her eight years. Well, you <laughs> know. That is a lie. <laughs> congratulations. More, more fake you. news, Thank right? You. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Congratulations. And your graduation is this Thursday? Yep, this upcoming Thursday. Well, there you go. They move you out pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they don't want to see us anymore. Yeah, I've been right. there for four and a half years. All so. right, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And now we got to find her work. Well, we got to find her work, and we're probably in the long term have to find a replacement for her. Yeah. And if 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 yeah, the whole thing, if her replacement, if her replacement is as good as Bonds's replacement was, that's right. We're then be in good shape. We're in good shape. Very good shape. Hey, we're in very good shape today because we've got quite a guest list today. Yeah. Both live guests and tape guests. All right. right? We're going to start off at 1020 with Phil Rogers, used to write for the Chicago Sun-Times, yep. kind of like the Midwest version of Peter Gammons, if you will, or um, what's the guy, my favorite guy, uh, uh, Nick Carf- uh, 
Nick up in Boston, Nick Carfado. Uh, Carfado? Yeah. Is okay. that the right pronunciation? I believe, I believe Cor- Carfado, yeah. Yeah, Carfado. Uh, he's kind of like the Midwest version, but he's now with MLB.com. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk to him and see how much he knows about Brandon Hyde, the new manager of the Baltimore Orioles, who will be introduced to the public on Monday morning uh, or Monday afternoon at midday at noon. Uh, that press conference will be live on Masson. Right. And we'll also be live on 105.7, The Fan. Uh, And we're also going to talk to Phil Rogers, who I imagine knows a guy named Harold Baines pretty well. I would think so. Yes, indeed. And Uh Harold spent uh, the majority of his years in the major leagues uh, with the Chicago White Sox. And, uh, you know, for for, for as much as he is loved here in Baltimore, because not just because he played for the Orioles, but the local connection, you know, over in St. Michael's where his home is and his family is, uh, to be able to, uh, for for, for as much loved as he is here for that, he's He's even more so in in Chicago Chicago. because of the player he was there. And, you know, I have seen so many things, Stan, on on the internet and all these you know there's a uh, a chat that I belong to uh, on Facebook that's called the Cooperstown Debate Society right uh, and the amount of people that are just bashing his induction into the Hall of Fame I ju- I mean I just don't get it I mean I understand that the numbers aren't what you would normally call Hall of Fame numbers. But if you look at the Hall of Fame and the people that are in it and compare Baines's number to some of those people, there's no re- reason why Harold Baines shouldn't well, be in. I also think it's one thing to debate to debate about it, to yeah. discuss it, but it's almost like they're trying to bash Harold Baines by by suggesting that it's a farce or right. something like that. No. It's far from a farce. It's far the guy from had, a farce. The guy had 38th. Um, highest number of RBIs in the history of the game. Right. Uh, to his last five or six years, rank up there as Hall of Fame-type numbers? No, and they helped him pad some numbers, but the injuries hurt him. Some of the work stoppages hurt him. Uh, so, you know, I, listen, he, he's a wonderful guy. I, I'm just saddened that Tony LaRusso had to end up bashing Chris Russo. Uh, listen, we all know what Chris is. Uh, he's a very talented guy, good debater, uh, and isn't used to getting blowback. But I think to start calling him clueless on the air is, is really uh, well. I, I got to be top. honest with you. Nobody likes Chris Russo more than I do. But in some of his Hall of Fame uh, Discussion. discussions and analysis, mm-hmm. Larusa has a point. <laughs> well, but the point that that Chris was making was do you think it detracts from his Hall of Fame candidacy right. that you and Jerry Reinsdorf were on the On the committee. The, the yeah, committee. I understand that. Because they it. suddenly were on the committee, and he jumped from like one and a half or two votes up to 12 votes, which right. was necessary. So I think Tony got way over the top defensive and curmudgeonly at 74 years of age. But again, that's that's true, and I, and I get all that. Yeah. But here's a guy who managed Harold Baines. Okay, but I, I get that, and he knows him very well. But to say that that couldn't impact the the vote and is, I, is well, a little that, that's true. But I would also say that he he 
he managed Harold Baines. Yeah. And if anybody would know what Harold Baines meant to a team yeah. and meant to his teammates and what kind of either a leader or a clubhouse guy he was, because you're not going to hear a whole lot from Harold Baines. No. Harold Baines just doesn't talk. No. Okay, that's just his nature. And we'll, kind of like you that well, way. Well, no, we'll see a little bit of uh, when we hear this interview later yeah. today that – you know, Harold is quiet. Harold's He's pretty quiet very, guy very and quiet. doesn't like the the self praise and the things of that it. nature. I get it. All right. Anyway, Phil Rogers on uh, from MLB.com, but out of Chicago. Mike Gibbons of the Babe Ruth Museum and Birthplace on briefly today to talk about Jane Levy coming there today, three to five. And we had Jane on uh, last. We had week. Jane on last week. And by the way, she will also be next Friday. Uh, the 21st, I helped arrange this. She's going to be signing at Greetings and Readings mm-hmm. at one thirty to 3 o'clock. But if you need a great holiday gift for somebody that's a baseball fan, get out today to buy that book or get out next Friday to buy the book locally, and she'll sign it for you. Do I have All to right. buy that along with the book that I'm going to get for Brittany for graduation? Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, Steve Molesky is going to join us. Steve stayed in <coughs> Steve stayed in Las Vegas. Yeah, uh, for a few he norm- days. He normally does. Does he really? Yes, he does. He likes Las. He Vegas. He loves Las Vegas. Okay. In fact, first thing he did before the meetings even got started, he goes out there and goes to a Golden Knights game the first night he's there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, he's a big Golden Knights fan. He fell in love with the team uh, when, when he was they, out there last year. Okay. Uh, and and followed him throughout the whole year because he and I would. So he's sit. been a fan of theirs for years. Well, yeah, at least the two that they've been <laughs> right. in existence. But here's the here's the deal. Steve right. and I sit next to each other right. at Camden Yards in the Orioles game. Why doesn't and, he root for the Caps? Huh? Why doesn't he root for the Caps? Uh, well, I don't know. But every time I'm I'm tweeting from a Caps game, you know, right. as part of the job, you know, he'll always tweet back, "How's how's Rod Langway doing tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Steve will join us via tape. We taped the interview yesterday before it was officially announced that Brandon Hyde was going to be the manager but of I think the everybody, baseball team. I think everybody had a pretty yeah. good, a good and sense of that. And by the way, uh, to a few writers, in particular Dan Connolly, our friend, who sort of said this is the Orioles, the way they do things, it turned out it sounds like Joe Madden was, was not – I'm not saying he was popping off – it really came about because he was telling people he needed a new bench coach. Mm-hmm. And since he needed a new bench coach, certain people connected the dots and said, well, there's only one managerial opening, so he must have that job. And that's sort of how it came out. Right. And, okay. that, and that is, but by the same token, yeah. you don't have everybody in the media getting this. And, 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 and that particular, what you're talking about, that particular instance yeah. wasn't just – Joe Madden saying that, and then everybody connecting the dots. There were other sources and and people out there who were relaying information uh, to a lot of the national writers anyway. Right. But then for for Elias to be sitting there and telling a group of local reporters, well, nothing's set in stone, this and that, and then all of a sudden the thing's pretty much damn well announced on TV TV with the scroll going underneath it. Right, but I think in fairness to Mike Elias, number one, this is his first time being the leader of the band. Number two, I think what happened was everybody got out of the head of their skis a little bit, and the candidates had not been told that, hey, we're going in a different direction. And I think that's the proper protocol. I doubt we'll ever have that problem with Mike Elias. I think he's a pretty fast learner. But anyway, um, 
Steve Molesky will join us. Harold Baines was on the Glenn Clark Radio yesterday, and yep. we snagged that tape, and we got a short interview with Harold Baines, and then we'll close the show by talking to one Richard Justice, yeah. also of MLB.com. And, and he was at the winter meetings, and he'll be able to sort through a couple of different issues for just, us. Just want to ask everybody that's tuned in at this point, please like us and share us on your computer, all right, yep. if you're watching on Facebook Live. Craig, uh, it's been a long time. Uh, you've you've been to how many of these winter baseball meetings? At least ten? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I've been probably to seven or eight different ones. Every one of them, I predict, boy, this one's going to be really incredibly busy. And then it's nothing but, for the most part, standing around and waiting and waiting and waiting for news. Jim Bowden started to profess or, or jump on this, and I think he may have gotten it from Dave Dombrowski, and it's not impossible that both of them thought of it simultaneously. What do you think of the idea of some type of trade deadline that when the winter baseball meetings end on that Thursday or maybe make it Friday, that um, that you can't make a trade until March 15th again? That to create a sense of urgency to get business done because the industry's got everybody's attention on it. They can really steal the thunder of the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, college football, and yet they sort of stumble all over themselves. Well, they do, but by the same token, uh, there is news that that comes out of the winter meetings regardless. And, uh, you know, whether it, whether it would have been a Manny or a Bryce Harper signing, which obviously didn't happen. Right. Or whether it's... Uh, all the trade rumors. You know, all the going. trade rumors. But that's been the nature of the beast for so long. And, yeah, you know, if you come up with another kind of artificial trade deadline mm-hmm. type of thing... I don't have a problem with it, but I don't have any problem with the way it's currently operated, yeah. currently done. I, I think it's because everything everything is everything is built on the baseball hierarchy setting the stage for things to come. In other words, the general manager's meeting kind of sets the tone for the winter meetings, and what's discussed at the winter meetings a lot stays sets, at the winter. Well, meetings. well, no, no. What's what's Discussed I understand. I understand that. And comes what, comes later. What these two, what these two folks are are projecting or or putting out there is the industry would be more well served by bigger news coming out of the winter baseball meetings. It's news. I'm not saying they're they're saying for teams to go with there. You got to each make two trades. They're saying move with a little bit more sense of urgency because you're not going to have. January and February to make trades. Well, part of that's baseball's industry's fault, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's got much to do with I, the teams. I, I think, think that what they're saying is from an industry, they're they're blowing an opportunity to make more news. Well, sure, but yeah. but you know, sometimes there's a ton. I've been, I mean, I've been at them when there's a a ton of news and you don't leave the hotel for four days. Well, and- that's the that's the problem. You don't leave the hotel <laughs> well, for four days, whether there's news or not. Because the one time you'd go to the chicken ranch, all hell would break loose. Well, yeah, that's right. And you'd get arrested. And you'd get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, yeah. not a good, yeah. not a good look. Yeah. And then the <laughs> trades don't get made anyway. That's true. Yeah. Well, there are trades being made, yeah, but exactly, it's a different. It's a very <laughs> different right. type. It's a very different type. And of there's thing. no deadline for those. What was the line Ken Wyman once? He said something like, "I there was a there was a club." O'Farrell Theater. Swan, like Swan Lake or oh, something. Oh, Swan Lake, And yeah. he said, he goes, it's a very different type of Swan, Swan Lake or something. 
Well, <laughs> well, Kurtzel and I always talk about, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Dade County Center for the Performing Arts. <laughs> right, the Dade County <laughs> Center for the Performing Arts. All right. Brittany doesn't know about no, that. No, I know. She she hasn't fully graduated just yet. <laughs> that's right. All right. Uh, so that's the lineup we have on today's show. Uh, we urge you to tune in. Speaking of cluster blank trades, what the hell happened? We got about two minutes now before we call Phil Rogers of MLB.com. What the hell happened last night with the Wizards, the Grizzlies, <laughs> and the Suns? Good question. I don't know. I was kind of out and enjoying myself, enjoying some dinner, and uh, I, I'm at looking the at the Inn? Well, yeah, of course. But uh, actually, you know what? I, I before I went to the Costas Inn last night to see Pete and Nick. Yeah, I actually went to Pete's John's because uh, every Pete's now and, and then, you, every now and then, a guy who grew up in Essex and a guy who used to go late at night to Back River Neck Road when they were in the strip mall and not the restaurant that they have now. So you go yeah. way back with Pizza John. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. They were always well thought of. Oh, right? always well thought of, yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. And, and you know, the the bottom line was... How was the, the pizza last uh, uh Well, I had a steak and cheese, so okay. that, to me they that's... They do good? Oh, best steak and cheese you'll ever have, as far as I'm concerned. Really? Yeah. Have you had the ones in Atlantic City? Philadelphia? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. The bread's I, is good? I would, I would. Key uh, to a good steak and cheese is not the ingredients in; it's the bread. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just telling you. All right. Just telling you. Just saying. But I don't. I don't. I won't. I won't put a Philly cheese steak up against these things because these things are better, in my opinion. All right. What are they called? Philly cheese steaks? Or no, just they're not. A cheese, just, just called a cheese regular steak. Regular cheese. Well, then that might be the best cheese steaks, steak, but not a Philly cheese. Yeah. Steak. Okay. All right, anyway, we're making our connections with Phil Rogers of um, MLB.com, and uh, never, get, I've never talked to Phil before. All right, but to get back to your initial question, I don't know what happened with it. It sounds as though, like you were suggesting off-air, yeah. is that there was the third team involved and the Memphis Grizzlies uh, were, got, were in on they it. They got their Brooks all screwed uh, yeah, up. Yeah, right, right. And, and then it, got, it fell through, but Oubre... Uh, was part of the deal leaving the Wizards, and uh, they were trying to get Trevor Ariza back in right. Washington. And they're so. still trying. Yes. Joining us right now, though, on our uh, Press Box Hotline is uh, Phil Rogers, long-respected uh, baseball writer out of the Midwest. And, Phil, thank you very much for spending a few minutes with us this morning. Yeah. You're on with uh, I'm Stan the Fan, and my co-host is Craig Heiss. Hey, Phil, how are you? Hey, I'm doing very well. Stan, I go back to when you used to have uh, my pal Tracy Ringles be on your show all oh, the time in goodness. the middle of the night. Yeah. Sometimes he even stayed awake. <laughs> That's a couple of the times I did I did all-night shows after late-inning Oriole games back in the 80s. Uh, I would stay on till 6 in the morning, and I a couple times I got Tracy on because he was out west in Denver already, I think. And uh, or actually, he was in Texas. But I remember having Larry Bow on. Well, I appreciate you remembering that, Phil. Um, can you can you clue us in a little bit on uh, Brandon Hyde at all in your time uh, being out there in Chicago and uh, crossing paths with him? What do you think of Brandon Hyde? Yeah, he is a very consistent, very steady guy. Um, He'll be the same one day as the next. He'll walk around on the field almost always carrying a, a bat in his hand, a fungo bat or some other kind of a bat. Um, his son will often be with him, and he'll get there early. Um, 
you know, when he can have his have his uh, kiddo on the field, throw batting practice to him. We saw it at Wrigley Field from when the kid was about two feet tall to now he's getting up there three or four feet and uh, uh, was a very regular presence, uh, very consistent. I, I think he's um, going, you know, if you look at his background, he's pretty similar to the guy he's worked for uh, the last four years in Joe Madden, although... As far as his presence in the Cubs organization, he's more of a Theo Epstein guy than a Madden guy. Theo brought him there, and he worked in a lot of different roles for the Cubs. You know what I find fascinating? It's one thing if we're talking about the late Don Zimmer, who probably was a bench coach two or three times. Here's a 45-year-old that was a bench coach for Edwin Rodriguez in Miami. Then he was repl- Edwin Rodriguez was replaced by Jack McKeon. Jack kept him on. Then Rich Renteria took him out of player development to be the bench coach, and then Joe Madden took him back out of player development to be a bench coach. Forty-five years old, he's he's been bench coach for four managers. That's highly unusual, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And you know, he he's he didn't have the playing career he wanted to have, mm-hmm. similar to a lot of managers. And very much like Joe Madden, when he got to the end of that career and he was released by a team, he wasn't ready to quit trying to play. He went to independent ball and played a a little bit of time. And then he saw the writing on the wall and jumped into being a minor league manager, which, you know, really everything took off for his career when during one of those Marlins purges when he was uh, happily managing uh, one of the minor league teams and the uh, you know Jeffrey Loria blew up the big league team, uh, big league staff, yep. and you know they they called him up in midseason uh, to be a coach there for for the uh, the first manager you said Edwin um, Rodriguez, Edwin Rodriguez. Yep. and then from from there he's you know even with the Cubs his role seemed to change from. One year to the next, he was the first base coach when they won the uh, World Series in 2016. Uh, but you know, he was—he's been a guy, and and I think he's—I think when you don't see him on the field, you know, I, I think he's a guy that impressed Theo Epstein with his organizational skills and his ability to understand and and to uh, um, process the data and the names and mm-hmm. the scouting reports that that came came across uh, his computer screen, you know, when he didn't have the uniform on. So I, I think there's a side of him that uh, has sort of gone unseen. But when you've impressed Theo Epstein, you know, you've worked really hard and you've had a, a quick mind that could process information. Well, Phil, let me ask you this. In terms of uh, him as a manager and now that he's going to get this opportunity – do you see him more of uh, in the mold of a Joe Madden? Or, and, and the reason I ask it from that perspective is because Dave Martinez last year was Joe Madden's bench coach both in Tampa and, and with the Chicago. Cubs, yep. and he came into Washington had kind of a very kind of, you know, injuries and a lot of other things. But, you know, I think he learned a lot in his first year uh, by things not going quite the way everybody expected it to. So what, what can we expect maybe from a managerial standpoint? Well, I, I from not not this in particular, but just as a generality, from watching major leagues, to me the it's really Im, impossible, really, to project 
how a guy's going to act as a manager based on how he acted as a coach. Right. Because there's something about the, the manager's office that just changes things for guys. And it's not that sounds like it's going to change it for the worse. But I've seen it work for the better. And I'll give you this. This Here's a guy that was a Baltimore with Baltimore roots, Jerry Naren for Johnny Oates. Oh, yeah. Sure, we were married, um, Jerry. You know, Jerry as a coach is very uh, – Follow, you know, follow Johnny's leadership, stay in the shadows. Um, and then um, when he took over as manager, I think even on an, in an interim role for Johnny Oates for a little bit, he would be so much different, and he would be engaging in conversations. And there was a lot more under the surface than he let show when he was in the, in the secondary role. So... You know, I, I think it's uh, it's really hard to know how a guy's going to act when he's the manager. I think Davey Martinez was probably the same in, in both both roles, really. Uh, but, you know, Davey had been, worked for Joe for so long, he really was an extension of Joe. Uh, Brandon Hyde has worked for all those different guys in all those different roles. So I, I, I don't know. I think you're going to have to let it get him get uh, into spring training and let April come along and then kind of make observations along the way. I, I think it's really impossible to anticipate. Hey, Phil, I just want to, you've been around a long time. You you watch how this process takes place. Here's a guy, Brandon Hyde, and I won't say that I know baseball the way I did 15, 20 years ago, but I follow it pretty closely. It's not a name I was familiar with. And all of a sudden this year, he's he's interviewed by not just the Orioles, four other teams interviewed him. How does that take place where all of a sudden a candidate becomes red hot? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it has a lot to do with where he's coming from. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, the, uh, the Cubs, while this October was a disappointing one, they should have won the division and they finished. Uh, slow the first time that's happened under Madden, and that got him in a game 163 with the Brewers, which they lost, and then the next day they had to play the Rockies in the wild card game. They lost that. Uh, but they've been the winningest team in the majors over the last four years. And, you know, I, I think around the majors, the Theo Epstein stamp of approval yep. rings as loud probably as, as uh, you know, any anyone could anywhere, and you know Brandon Hyde uh, field tested, you know with mm-hmm. that with that team. I, I think he just kind of accumulated it that way. You would never say, you know, in the in the old days or the eighties uh, into the nineties. I think there was more self promotion that was done. Yeah. There were guys that would find their way into Peter Gammon's notes columns on a regular basis and do it that way. Brandon Hyde's, you know, I don't think that really happens in this era. I think when you, you know, you look at guys um, tend to gravitate upward based on their resumes. And I think that's the case with, with Brandon. I think we're also in a generation where people, general managers are looking for the next great thing rather than the recycled great guy, you know, which, which bodes not so well for a Buck Showalter to get a fifth opportunity. Yeah, I, I think um, it's worth looking at how you know what what the uh, how the manager's role kind of has changed, and the manager's uh, 
status has changed mm-hmm. over the time Buck Walter was the manager of the Orioles. Yeah. You know, I I think it's, you know, Joe Girardi, for instance, is going to work as a, a broadcaster for ESPN. Um, you know, I think that he wants to get back and manage. But will there will there be opportunities for those guys to jump to be $5 million a year managers? I mean, Joe Madden is... Uh, very well paid by the Cubs, but when you look around, I mean, there are really successful managers that aren't earning yep. half of what that generation of uh, Madden, Girardi, Dusty Baker, um, you know, I'm forgetting two or three other. Lou, you know, when Lou Pinello was yep. managing, he was yep. a guy that was always highly paid, and I'm sure Buck was well compensated too. Um, you know, and uh, I just don't think teams, you know, I think it's more, there's more power in the front office and there's less in the dugout. And I think, you know, I think that's why to some degree you're seeing, you know, even a, even an Alex Cora in Boston isn't that highly paid compared to the general, you know, the, yep. the elite managers above him. A.J. Hinch, who won the World Series the year before, again, not that highly paid. Uh, and it's just, it's the, I don't really think it's fair to the managers, but I think it's sort of the reality that there's front offices are bigger and owners are more connected to the guys in the front office. And it just seems like they've, uh, over time, they've built up more authority. And, and I, I think, you know, these, this round, these hires in this era, you know, I think you do tend to find a lot of guys that you don't know a lot about until they get on the job. Right, and you know, you just brought up the point that I was going to make is the fact that it's a lot of it is analytics and how you fit into that equation for a front office, and it just seems as though that's the way the entire game's been going for a few years now. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think so, and it's, you know, it's, there, there was analytical, analytic thinking and analysis before uh, Moneyball became a, a New York Times bestseller. But, you know, it wasn't quantified. You know, it's funny that uh, Moneyball is about quantitative analysis, but there was always analysis in baseball. It just wasn't highlighted and quantified the way that it has been uh, since it's become an industry post-Moneyball. Uh, you know, and, and it all comes back to that. If if you saw the and everybody did the great movie Animal House, it all comes back to the uh, motto of Faber College: <laughs> knowledge is good. You know, That's but it, but it just kind of becomes this us against them polarizing East Berlin West Berlin line in baseball uh, between are, are are you an analytics guy or not? I mean, I, you know, Joe Madden is a good example of a guy that. Uh, walks goes between both, and actually Theo Epstein. While people identify him as a Moneyball type analyst and executive, he has huge respect for scouts mm-hmm. and the people. You know that people element. That's really kind of what sets him apart is his ability to value all of that. And you know, I, I think you're going to see that some of that with Brandon Hyde. I think in a Theo Epstein guy, you're going to see a guy. Um, that can be 
all you know different things to different people in, in a good way. And I guess a lot of these guys that are getting hired nowadays didn't let seven years of college go down the drain, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Let me, right. Let me ask you this: Harold Baines gets inducted, or gets, and let me just interrupt okay. for one second. We're talking to Phil Rogers, esteemed baseball writer with MLB.com. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry, Stan, and okay. you know uh, Harold Baines. Uh, gets uh, put into the Hall of Fame, gets not, uh, gets elected into the Hall of Fame by the committee, uh, and and the backlash from a lot of people who are not happy about it has been pretty good this week on on social media. But I look at Harold Baines's numbers, and yeah, while there wasn't the three thousand hits or the five hundred home runs, all all of the people who say, well, that doesn't matter much anymore. And they're still arguing about this. Here's a guy that played 21 years, a lot of it in Chicago with the White Sox, here in Baltimore as well, and a few others scattered in between. Uh, having covered him here in Baltimore, I can tell you uh, there were very few clutch hitters too much better than Harold Baines was. And I always tell people when he first came up, here's a guy that was an impeccable outfielder and had the yeah, injuries the not happen. Yeah. You know, you're probably looking at a totally different conversation. Yeah, he was he was Andre Dawson esque as a as a young player, mm-hmm. I, I think. And yeah. you know, you're talking. It, it's it has been really unfortunate to watch the conversation since he was elected. And I am actually in the six percent of baseball writers who were voting for him as last year on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't a passion for me. I didn't, and he, he probably wasn't number one on my list of guys not in the Hall of Fame who I think deserve to be in. But I do think he's a deserving Hall of Famer. And you're, you're right about the games he played, the way the managers in the other dugout approached him. You know, they would tiptoe into the late innings to not want him up to, up to bat in the big spots. Um, when he came on the Hall of Fame ballot... And this is funny. I mean, you know, in analytics, a base hit doesn't seem to count for what it, what it always has. I, I don't quite get that. I mean, right. to get a big league, hit big league pitching now should count more than and it, it ever did, did yeah, before exactly. because it's you know through the years it's gotten better and better and better. Uh, but he had the most most hits of anybody on the ballot who was eligible for the hall and wasn't in the hall in twenty eight hundred sixty six career hits. He also missed, I looked this number up the other day, and I think it was about 124 games in the three strikes. Because he's he's old enough, he survived the first long strike in 81. Right. And then he he continued to play long enough that he was in the 94 and 95 strikes. He lost about 124 games. And if you look at his career... He's a game-a-hit guy. Mm-hmm. His game total and his hit total are pretty close to each other. So give him a, a hit a game for those games. And he's got he's the 3,000. 3,000. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, uh, if he had been close, I think the White Sox would have – he finished his career last two years of the White Sox. I think they would have found ways to get him the at-bats and the hits to get yeah. to 3,000. And that would really have made him an automatic. So – to me, to me, the strikes were really um, damaging in, in in how he was viewed. Hey, uh, this isn't a Chicago question. You remember the TV show that was hot for about three or four years uh, called Cold Case? 
I do. Yeah. Is there is I, I know this committee, which is the it's got a new name now, which was the Veterans Committee. The guy that bugs me that's not in the Hall of Fame, and it would take almost like a cold case committee, is Tony Oliva. Tony Oliva, to me, was the greatest player that's not in the Hall of Fame, and it was because of the injury problem. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably that's probably true, and there are people that feel really strongly about Oliva, and... But I think he's old enough now that he's not even on the front and center of a committee like they got now. You know, that's more well, for guys that you know, just missed. I would say, you know, the great thing about Harold Baines' election yeah. is it shows, and, and I think he got elected because he walked into the right room full of people at the right time. Yeah, I mean, you're he right. had. Jerry Reinsdorf, Larusa, Pat Gillick, Tim Kirchin, Andy McFarl, a lot of guys yep. that, that yep. are uh, Claire Smith with the New York Times. I think is a Harold Backer. Mm-hmm. So it, it it was kind of a confluence of events. All those people being on the same committee, you divide those up, put two of them on it this time and two of them on it next time. I'm not sure he has the support to get in. But you got right, you got that right. Yep. Um, but I, I think it does show that you can dig deep, and mm-hmm. it makes gives me some hope for. I love Jim Cott. Yeah, um, and, and he, I, don't, I, don't I would, never understand why he's not in. Never. Yeah, I, I, I think for, I think it really, in a way, shows that that committee can do it, the job it has. Although, you know, the, there's a big stack of those players to go through, to the, and then you have to decide who gets in, who gets, who doesn't, and it's always going to be a process that offends someone. Yeah because of the outcome, because everybody's not going to get in. So if anybody does, some people are going to think it's screwed up with whoever it picked. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's a good thing that people feel that strongly because it just, I think, shows the passion people have for baseball. But on that discussion, my guy is Minnie Minoso. Ah, okay. Yeah. I cannot for the life of me understand why he's not in the Hall of Fame because... That is a shot. I mean, that is, um, he's a wonderful you know, player. I, I, it might be because he participated in those stunts where Bill Vec and uh-huh. um, you know would pull him and pull him out of retirement, made him a, a five decade player. And for people of my age, and uh, I'm no longer a young guy, but that's largely what many became known for. But he was not only a great player in, in the 1950s. The 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 war totals from the American League in the 1950s were Mickey Mantle one, Minnie Minoso two. Wow, that, that's pretty good. That's you're pretty the second damn best good. Player in your league for a decade, you know. Um, yeah. and, and he was also late. You know, older. Nobody ever knew quite how old he was because he started in Cuba, came, played some time in the Negro League. Yep. And he was stashed in AAA by the Indians for a couple of years. Um, and but on top of all that. He is, uh, for Latin players, Jackie Robinson. Yes. Roberto Clemente talked about that. You're absolutely right. For him, Roberto Clemente, Minnie Minoso was really the pioneer. And, you know, I I don't know how, when we honor pioneers and we honor great players, I don't know how we overlook a guy that was both a pioneer and a great player. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny what, what, by the small turn of a screw a guy can get in or not in. One of my funniest comments I read this week on Twitter was apparently some writer said something to Jeff Kent one day. He said something like, Mr. Kent or Jeff Kent, 
I'm here to cover you and I'm really excited about it or something. And Jeff Kent said, well, isn't this my lucky effing day? (laughs) (laughs) And it just hit home as to, to how small the window is and how you treat people along the way. Before we let you go, Craig Heist and I, Craig is a friend of his. I'm a fan of his. And that's Mike Mussina. Do you think Mike Mussina is going to get in this year? I it, again, nothing's nothing in baseball is less predictable than the Hall of Fame. I, I, I vote for Mussina. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see him get in this year. Um, I don't know if he. I don't know if he will or or he won't. I would say he's gotten to the threshold where it seems inevitable that he will get in, but yeah. I, the, the timing, I. I really don't know, uh, but once again, he, he will be on my ballot, and I think he was a guy that took a little bit of work um, to look to process through because he didn't have the magic numbers, and he had mixed results in, the, in his biggest games. Um, also, back on that, Harold Baines, tiebreaker, 321, I believe it is, uh, batting average in 31 career postseason games. Yes, sir. That's a pretty good player. Yeah, and you and, know, and so I, I, the, those big games, especially now in this era with expanded playoffs, where guys get into more of them, I think that becomes sort of a, 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 a important measuring stick. And Musina was he had mixed results. He, he, you know, it, it wasn't didn't make a case, didn't didn't really hurt his case. So. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at all the peripheral numbers, um, you've seen a passes the test. And I he do should, too. should get in eventually. Well, I know uh, one thing. I know one thing. The series, the postseason series, uh, when he beat Randy Johnson twice and then also struck out 25 Indians in two games yeah. uh, in that in that ALCS, uh, speaks volumes for me for Mike Messina uh, with the 270 wins. All, all of it in yep. the AL East in the steroid era. No no question. Phil, we really appreciate you. I don't know how I've gone my whole career never had you on, but it's a real pleasure. You're Consider yourself lucky, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> <laughs> today's well, I, today's I, your lucky effing day. I, I, I feel fortunate I, I skipped the 4 a.m. era. All right. <laughs> hey, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you, All Phil. All right. Thanks very much. Very you much guys. enjoyed it. All right. We're going to take a break right now, and then we're going to be joined by our friend Mike Gibbons down at Babe Ruth Museum and Birthplace. They got a big signing today at 3 to 5 from Miss Jane Levy. Uh, let's tell you about Press Box's Project Game Day. Uh, it's back, and at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game, you can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. Post-game Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports, Press Box Project Game Day, facebook.com slash Sports. Hey, Craig, if you're driving down to the Eastern Shore or you're coming home from the Eastern Shore, right. tell our listeners about Big Bats. Well, Big Bats is on uh, St. Clair Place right off of uh, 216 St. Clair Place. 216 St. Clair Place. And you can get there uh, coming across the Bay Bridge and you take the first exit, go to the light at the top of the hill, make a left. It's about a quarter mile down the road on the right. Great food, great bar food, great 
place to watch games, and uh, you got theme rooms down there to take a look at, uh, including one for the Orioles, which is just fabulous. But the food is great, the people are great, and I would highly suggest getting down to Big Bats and if it's you're the, heading to the Eastern Shore or coming back. And it's the one place you can sit at the bar and sit on a on a base on a base. That's could right. be first base, could be second base. With Craig, it's always first base. Wow. He never gets the third uh-huh. base. All right, yeah, and uh, they do have one for home. <laughs> plate too but anyway uh speaking of the plates yes great dishes of food whether it's soup sandwiches subs yeah or and it's salads a great great place tell steve garland stan the fan and craig heist sent you one-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will cater your holiday party at home, at the office, or is that contribution you make to your friend's party? Take the nugget platter. I guarantee your friends will eat every bite. Enough with the meatballs and a crock pot. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will cook it, pack it, and if you'd like, deliver it. Sandwiches, sliders, waffle fries, desserts, even breakfast. Have you tried the Chick-fil-A chicken minis? Delicious. You have enough to do. Don't add more cooking. For not only will your catering platter be sensational, but your home will smell amazing and you won't be exhausted by the time your party starts. Order online or through your Chick-fil-A app if you need help. Ask Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. He's been there for 150 years. He knows how to do everything. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, for the holidays, you're welcome. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference, both at home and abroad. On the Army team, Respect is earned daily, and now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Pressbox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Sports. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg profiles six-time Pro Bowler Marshall Yanda, an NFL star so unlikely he still drives a beat-up old pickup truck. Plus, our annual college basketball preview as we break down all of the Division I men's and women's hoops teams in the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
This is former Turf AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruined the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from I the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo, Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. All right, we are back on the battle round. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. We're sitting here, our producer, now a college graduate, Miss Brittany Everett. Look out, world. Look out, world. Here she comes. <clears throat> Joining us right now is a guy who graduated college uh, many moons ago, and he's uh, done some good life's work, a lot of it, down at the Babe Ruth Museum and Birthplace. And they've got a very special signing today, and we wanted to have Mike Gibbons on for a few minutes to talk about it. Mike? Boys? The good f- to hear your voices. Good good to hear your voices. The floor is all yours. Tell us why we should come down today, maybe about 245, 250, to get ready for an entertaining couple hours. Well, that's right. Uh, you know, this is the holiday season, and if you're looking for uh, a special baseball gift to give to your special baseball fan, uh, today would be a day to come down to the Big Ruth Museum. We've got Jane Levy, who is uh, one of the best, uh, writers of sports biographies that uh, that we have produced so far, and she's come out with a, a new book uh, called The Big Fella, and it's about Babe Ruth. And it may be, um, I would I would say it's the most comprehensive biography done to date. And um, you know, she 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 brings Babe to light in a few in in, in many different ways that that we weren't really aware of before. And uh, to top it off, she's just an excellent writer. I was looking at. One of the uh, the uh, the notes on the back of the book where people praise the work, and this one guy says Jane Levy could write the biography of a tube of toothpaste, and I'd be the first in line to buy it. <laughs> so she, That's a good she's, line. she's a really good writer. Um, there's a lot of interest to come down and see her, buy her book, get it signed, and uh, give it for the holidays. We're going to do an interview with her as well, uh, just to take take us through the process of how she went about compiling this 477. Um, page work. So uh, we get underway at 3 o'clock. We go to 5 p.m. And uh, I know, Stan, you're coming down. A lot of folks have already uh, uh, expressed interest in coming down and meeting Jane, listening to her talk, and and getting a copy of the book. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, tell me something. You know, she wrote the Koufax book. She wrote the Mickey Mantle book. But the Babe Ruth Museum and Birthplace wasn't actively involved in this. Uh, she gives you guys a lot of credit, including uh, Greg Schwallenberg, who was there for a number of years, at lighting the interest in this uh, project in her about 23 years ago. Tell us a little bit about how you were helpful in writing the book. I'm not saying you did the work, but you helped her. Well, uh, you know, we are, in addition to being a museum, we are a research uh, archives. Yep. And um, over the years, as you, you guys know, we have compiled thousands of hours of um, audio interviews that, uh, you know, you know, relative to our themes, meaning Babe Ruth or the Orioles or the Ravens or Colts or whatever. And so Jane, um, who we have known for years, uh, started visiting us maybe three years ago or so and just pouring through uh, these interviews that we had on Babe Ruth. 
with with people who are no longer with us, mm-hmm. guys who played against Babe, uh, Paul Hopkins. I, I, I got an interview with him. He threw the 59 home run to Ruth in 1927. I mean, it's a, it's a great memory. So original source material. Um, we also have a great uh, paper work on Ruth uh, so that we were able to make that available to Jane and, and uh, you know, just help her uncover uh, some things about Ruth that, that have never been written before. That's part of the charm of this book. You know, she she points to the fact, if you read some reviews, they point to the fact that it dealt so much in creating him as the first modern-day sports celebrity. But she points to the the stuff as a kid that has appeared nowhere else. Uh, could you address that a little bit, how she, uh, how she was able to do that? Well, I, I, you know, I think that we were a primary source on that. Over the past several years, the Baltimore Sun has digitized its archives. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, is, is that guys like you, uh, you and me can go online to, to, that, uh, to the archives and just work through things, you know, type in the word Ruth and see what you get. Right. And um, so uh, a couple of people alerted us to the fact, a couple of people who were going through the Sun's archives, um, alerted us to the notion that there was stuff about uh, the Ruth family mm-hmm. when uh, Babe was a kid that had never been published before. And, and uh, you know, a couple of those, one, uh, that Babe's mother was an alcoholic. Right. Which, when you're slim with your husband and you're drinking the inventory, is not a thing. <laughs> so uh, nobody has ever talked about this before. Yeah. And um, if you think about it, it really helped to explain of his behavior as an adult later on, where he was a womanizer and he certainly drank way too much. And, uh, you know, it, it's the roots of, of his existence is, is uh, his mother. And um, his father divorced her uh, because he could not get her to stop the, yep. the drinking. And he, he divorced her um, sometime around 1906, I think. And just a few years after they had sent Babe off to St. Mary's. So this is a book, and um, it's pretty profound stuff. Explains a lot about his uh, his troubled childhood and how that manifested itself later. All right, and again, adult. today at 3 o'clock, I urge everybody to get down there, maybe more like 2.40, 2.45, to comfortably get in. Jane is going to do an interview with Mike Gibbons, or Mike Gibbons is going to do an interview with her. Then she's going to sign your book and sell, sell you a book and sign you a book. All right, so that's uh, right. If you come down and you say I'm here for uh, I'm here for Jane Levy signing, well, you're in for free. And uh, hope is you'll buy a book from us and and uh, get it signed by Jane. All so right. Stan, I'll, I'll be seeing you in a few hours. Yep. And uh, no, you got a lot of work to do. Shine. We're going to be there. Thanks for coming in. All right. Okay. Thank All you, guys. Right. All right. Thank you. Michael Gibbons. There you have him. Kind of remember that line. Let's see. I'm here for Jane Levy's book signing. Yeah. Just so I, because, you know, if it's free, it's me. <laughs> the book is not free. <laughs> oh. Well, well then. <laughs> you, can get, you can go pretty much anywhere for free. That's one of the reasons you love the Constitution. That's it's exactly free. right. It's free to get in. Mm. All right. Um, I was able. Uh, Although Nick does say, eh, he got past security again. <laughs> Um, I was able to grab uh, our friend Steve Molesky. He went out for the winter baseball meetings. He's spending a couple days out extra out yeah, in Las Vegas. He, yes, he is. And what goes on <laughs> in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. 
but we did chat about some of the work the Orioles have done over the past week. And joining us now after a fun week out in Las Vegas, Nevada, is Masson.com's reporter, Steve Molesky. Steve, how are you? Did you survive Las Vegas? I did, yes. Tiring week, but I guess we learned a little more about what's going on with the Orioles. Hey, before we talk about what's going on with the Orioles, because it, it, it certainly was kind of an interesting week from a Baltimore perspective, I just wanted to ask you, did you cover the previous uh, winter meetings that were in Vegas about eight, ten years ago? I did. H- how are the logistics there? I have not covered one in Las Vegas. Are they pretty good? No, Mandalay Bay Group did a great job with the winter meetings. I mean, it's, such a, it's a huge place, so... I think the difference between Las Vegas and, say, Orlando or something is the hotels and the casinos are massive here, and Mandalay Bay is one of the bigger ones. So it's spread out. Uh, you go to a hotel in another city, and it might be more confined. Uh, and you, you see more major league people because there's a smaller space, and over the course of several days you run into them. I mean, there were people here that we knew were here that we didn't see in four days because the place is so big. Hey, tell me one other logistical question. You know, I've been to about eight or ten of these winter baseball meetings. always look forward to having lunch with the manager. Uh, with the Orioles not having a manager, did everybody get an invite? Did you, Rock, uh, Brittany, uh, you know, Rich Dubroff get invites? We Yeah, we were there. I mean, Brittany's sitting at the Nats table now. She covers the Nationals, of course, but... We were there and uh, sat with uh, the Oriole Public Relations reps who were here and had a nice chat without the manager. All right. Now, speaking of that that aforementioned uh, opening as manager, it was pretty interesting. I was at the UMBC Towson basketball game over at UMBC the other night. I think it was Tuesday night. And uh, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. It started out as a simple tweet from Joel Sherman, and he heard the Orioles were – Closing in on Brandon Hyde, within about 15 minutes, everybody had the deal done, except for Mike Elias. Well, I mean, uh, I guess it's going to wind up being Brandon Hyde. That's what it appears. It's certainly headed that direction. And so he just said it was premature, and he's new at this, and I don't know whether he made a mistake or he did exactly the right thing he should do. It might, might certainly be that. Um, and I, it will be a real shock if it's not Brandon Hyde, but I think, um, until all the ducks were in order, so to speak, he wasn't ready to say more about it. And the little that we've learned about Mike Elias in the few weeks he's been on the job is he's keeping some of this information close to the vest. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's how he wants to do it. He doesn't, you know, there might be general managers and other teams who off the record, would confirm or deny names for reporters. Um, he is not choosing to do that right now. He just said, I don't want to comment on any names. And, you know, we're just getting to know him. So I think as he learns us better and we learn him better, you know, a year or two or three from now, there might be a different way different things are handled. So he's new and he's learning this and he's doing it the way he wanted to do it. Did, did the beat guys, and I include you and Rock and uh, Rich and whomever out, John Mioli, did you guys get any quality time, or was it the same thing where at 5.30 in the afternoon you were able to get up or maybe 3.30 out there 
uh, Las Vegas time. Uh, were you were able to get a few minutes with him, or, or were you able to get any quality time with him? Uh, well, I don't know what you define quality, but we sort met with him Sort of like for, sit down, like sit down with you guys for yeah, a meal. We didn't, for yeah, a we meal. Didn't just okay. sit, uh, sit at lunch and talk for an hour. Okay. Uh, he's, he's still busy doing stuff, So, but he has uh, the general managers of these things have a briefing with their local reporters each day. I think each team does it that way where they take you up to their suite yep. and you interview them, and that's pretty much what happened for three or four days in Las Vegas with uh, Mike. Did you get a chance to meet Sig Meidel at all? I did. Yeah, I didn't really have any, I hadn't interviewed him yet or talked to him at any great length outside of saying hello. So we're still getting to know these guys right now. Well, I know one thing on the bat around. Craig Heiston and I will have a tough time talking to Sig. He's a former NASA scientist, and uh, and we went to what Kenwood and uh, Northwestern Senior High. So a little bit different. I, there. I think he he <laughs> will have no problem talking to you, to you guys. He just. It's just that his mind works in, in ways that the rest of the world, most of the world doesn't in terms of putting some of this data together. But um, don't worry, he can have a conversation with you. I, I well understand that. All right. Let's talk about a couple of the players that we, we do know the names of. They're going to be uh, unfamiliar to a lot of people. The other day they picked up a, a third baseman on waivers, uh, Rio Ruiz. Can you tell us a little bit about what you know about Rio? Not too much. <laughs> he's a left-handed hitter, and uh, I think he's competition for Renato Nunez mm-hmm. in spring training and has some background with Elias. And beyond that, Stanley, I don't have his numbers in front of me to remember too much of that. That seems like it was two weeks ago now, which was, what, Monday, I think. I think it was Monday, yeah. What about the two guys The the two guys in the Major League Rule 5 draft that they did pick up? Because I was following your stuff in the weeks up to there, and I know Richie Martin was somebody you had prominently as a very highly likely to go in the top couple picks, a shortstop out of the Oakland A's organization. Right, I had it because J.J. Cooper of Baseball America had it. He, I mean, he was the one who quickly identified him right after the 40-man rosters were set as someone who could be targeted. And as J.J. Cooper said to me, he was surprised Oakland didn't protect him and thought it was a no-brainer that someone would take him early because he's a plus defender. He had his best offensive year last year. He hit 300. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got a little bit of versatility. can play short second. Drew Jackson, I think, has some similarities. Another good defender. So the Orioles just added two middle infielders to add to the mix. And, uh, you know, Elias has not said how this will be handled. But my my guess is not, they're not both going to make the roster. Right. Maybe neither one will. But I think it's, it, you know, the Rule 5 draft is essentially, essentially a free look yep. at a player from another organization. And you don't have to keep that player. And if you give them back, it costs you $50,000 to take a look at a potential major league player, which in that industry is a minuscule amount of money compared to the industry. So uh, where the Orioles are, especially picking first, it was a no-brainer that they were going to take someone. And it, uh, Elias told us they would take the best player. It wouldn't necessarily reflect need, but he said, we'll consider need. And, mm-hmm. and in this case, both were served. We're talking with Steve Molesky of MassonSports.com. Does a super job reporting on the O's all throughout the season. Uh, the, the second guy was actually a deal that the Orioles made with the Phillies for the Phillies to pick him. 
and then trade him to the Orioles for some international bonus slot money. Um, Trip Norton, who's a little bit more visible than I've heard in a while, Trip compared him a little bit to Ryan Flaherty, but this is a guy who's got about a 360 lifetime on base percentage in the minor leagues, Drew Jackson. Hey, I think they like, again, like his versatility. And um, the Orioles had a list of, I think it was a short list, four, five, six players that they targeted going into the draft. And we were told if one of those players is available when they pick second, which turned out to be 15th because 14 teams made a Rule 5 selection, and then you start over for the teams that did not pass in the first round, and Orioles passed. So their list was obviously gone, but on that list was Drew Jackson. So uh, sometimes these deals are pre-draft deals where they uh, go to the team, the Phillies, and say, uh, when they're on the clock or before, if you take Jackson, we'll trade you X for him, and they get a second player on their list. And that's what they did this time again, uh, trading international bonus slot money for, uh, and I think some other uh, eventual considerations, but I'm I'm not sure of that we're talking. I mean, I think that was a smart move because yeah. um, it was they weren't trading actual dollars; they were trading bonus yeah. dollars, of which they have an abundance. And as you know, most of the good players have been signed. So while the Orioles intend to spend more money on the international market, they probably will not spend every dollar they yep. had once they lost out on the big name boys. So why not put that to use? And they did in this case. While you were out in Las Vegas, Steve, uh, I won't call it all hell broke loose, but the, uh, the veterans committee and it's called, what, what's it called today? The, I forget. It's got a new name. Uh, the veterans I think committee. it was the, uh, like, today's era. Today's era. Like committee. Right, which Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony LaRusso were part of, and suddenly Harold Baines made a huge jump, and he played several seasons with the Baltimore Orioles toward the end of his career. Um, it, look, I'm not going to lose any sleep over Harold Baines making it. Was there a buzz among all the reporters in the media room that this was some type of travesty or just a little off? I, I didn't, didn't get that. I mean, I think some reporters just had their opinions and didn't like it or whatever, but <clears throat> I don't know. It's much you do about nothing to me. What's you know, it's The process, I think, is confusing. It's even confusing the media that these guys are on the ballot for a length of time, then they're off, and you, 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 you think there's finality. Well, they'll never get in, but there's these other avenues to get in. Yes. And as Jim Eneman, our friend who was out there, pointed out to me, they've always had the Veterans Committee. Yep. So there have always been ways for a player who seemingly was no longer on the ballot to still get in. And that's just what happened here. There's a couple different committees that from time to time do this. And, I mean, there are a lot of smart people on these committees. You know, former Royal GM Andy McPhail was on that committee. Yep. That got Baines in. So uh, they we're not – these aren't uh, – you know, a couple of high school kids who have fantasy teams deciding this. These are people who really know the game and looked at Baines and looked at, I think, some work stoppages or whatever where he missed out on possibly getting the 3,000 hits mm-hmm. and uh, put him in. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think it didn't ruin my day. I can tell you that. Yeah, it didn't ruin my day. I mean, he's not quite there in my mind. But when I did hear this figure that he was 38th all time <clears throat> in RBIs, that was a pretty astounding number that he accumulated. Right. 
I mean, I look at a guy that's not in. I believe Marvin Miller's not in. To me, he's a Hall of Famer, and it's it's probably begrudging for some people to put him in. But he he changed everything for the players' union for the better for them. He changed the way they do business in the sport. And while it cost the owners money, Marvin Miller, he was pro player, obviously. But his impact on the game, to me, he he got free agency done. Yeah, I there was think... not free agency before he got in there with Messer Smith McNally and all that. I mean, this guy again. You can hate it. You can say I hate that there's free agency, but the impact in the industry was enormous. And, and I feel the same way about George Steinbrenner. To be honest with you, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of owners don't like him because he's cost a lot of owners. Uh, but the game grew so much by the way he created star power uh i think he was remarkable actually george steinbrenner and to me he's a little more controversial because and maybe this is the oriole uh person in me the baltimore Mm -hmm. person in me being anti-yankee or whatever but i don't say he didn't do some great things but i when i look at his time it seemed like the yankees really escalated up when he was suspended for that short time and stick michael and other guys without interference from Steinbrenner. No, no question about that. No question. You know, about got that. the Yankees going, and he kept them going once they got the engine revved up. Yeah. But I don't think it was his doing as much as others. But there's no question he's a major figure in the history of the game. Uh, real quick, Lee Smith. I think uh, actually a no-brainer on the case of Lee Smith that I think he's well deserved uh, getting into the Hall of Fame. Your thoughts? Sure. I mean, I think so, too. And, again, I haven't poured over all these things. I wasn't on the committee. I wasn't asked. I didn't yep. have anything to do with it. And we didn't hardly cover it except to mention, you know, these guys were connected to the Orioles. Both had worn Oriole uniforms at one time. Baines, obviously, much longer. So I I, I don't vote for the Hall, and I don't look at mm-hmm. I don't look at players in, in the framework of are they Hall of Famers. Uh, so it's, it's like I wish I could – would do more research. I'd be more educated on it. And I just don't do it because there's 50 other things we got to write before you get to that, you know? I understand that. Steve, before we let you go, we're, we're assuming some type of announcement uh, on the manager could come down in a week. Do you think, you know, we're missing something? Those of us that aren't right on the, the club every day, do you think the club has any any sort of big moves in this? Or is this going to be a small incremental type of season uh, or build to a season, do you think? I, I think if I were running in, and I'm, luckily for Oriole fans, I'm not, there's not a reason to make big moves unless it's a there's some big trade of, of a veteran player. I mean, Alex Cobb, there was some interest in um, around baseball in him, and I think the Orioles obviously would be interested in in trading him, not because they want to get rid of him, because yep. he's got got forty some million dollars, and they're they're still cutting some of this. It's not being cheap. It's just how the rebuild happens. You tear it down and you build it up. And I think most of it's torn down, but maybe not all of it. So I don't expect any big signings. They're not going to be in the, in the name in the market for big money guys or multi year guys. There might be little tweaks, additions here and there. But at some point, Stanley, and the point is coming close, they're going to have to turn this over to all the kids. They're going yep. to have to play their farm system. We're going to find out if people with names like 
you know, uh, D.L. Hall and Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle can play. Yep. And to me, that's going to be fun and exciting. Now, what's going to happen is not all of them are going to be stars, so there'll be some disappointment along the way, but it'll be fun to watch this process happen. And while this process is going on, Sig and Elias will be implementing all this analytical stuff. And I wrote a story, Stan, uh, talking about how Houston's uh, pitching on the farm last year was so exceptional. Unbelievable. They're all yep. their four full-season teams led each of their leagues in strikeouts. And I'm not a big guy with strikeouts, mm-hmm. but you can't deny the fact that in the current game, pitchers who get a lot of strikeouts, you look for that. And Houston is getting that on the farm, and they're trying to bring that to Baltimore. You know, it's amazing. Uh, and then I've got one more line of questioning, but it is amazing when you acquire a pitcher like Garrett Cole and you're hoping he'll pitch as well or better than he has the last year or two. But when you see a major league pitcher with three, four years in who strikes out eight guys every nine innings and then jumps up to 12, there must be something that they're teaching these guys about that spin rate that can work in Baltimore as well as it can work in Houston. I think they're really good at all that, and they're really good at targeting very specific things for each individual guy that can help them not only throughout the year, but they they go night to night, and this analytics is now pitch to pitch. I mean, how deep you want to get into it, you know, they can really uh, prepare these pitchers for many things that will unfold in a game that night. And, um, you know, Houston was just the best at it. So the Orioles went and raided Houston. And it's coming to Baltimore. Hey, before we let you go, just want to talk about three former Orioles, uh, and we think they'll all remain former Orioles. How do you think Jonathan Scope wound up going from Milwaukee non-tender to Minnesota on a one-year, I think, $7.5 million contract? And where do you think the landing spots are ultimately for Zach Britton and Manny Machado? Oh, wow. Well, Scope, um, I think Scope did real well for his terrible year he had to get $7.5 million. I thought he did great, yeah. I think when that when he got that offer, he jumped on it, and and in a, in a somewhat of a low-pressure environment in Minnesota, he needs to reinvigorate his career and then maybe goes back out on the market. But I don't think, I think we're going to see better from John. I have no idea how it just so fell apart for him. Uh, and people say it's because he, he lost his career his buddy, Manny, but he had Manny for half a year. He wasn't I know. hitting. I know. So I don't buy that. Um, Britain, I, I don't really know. Again, I haven't looked too hard at it. Manny, it's just this Yankee thing. I just can't get it out of my mind that yeah. somehow the Yankees will wind up with Manny Machado, um, it, and get Andujar out of there, or trade him or something. And, and, you know, with the injury to the shortstop, maybe there's a reason for, for that, but I don't know, man. Um, Harold Reynolds gave me some very interesting comments when I interviewed him at the meetings, and he's close with Manny. He th- he definitely thinks Machado cost himself some money. Now we're not going to we're not going to throw a charitable party for him, Stan, because <laughs> two fifty or three fifty, you can live with yeah. both, right? Yeah. But I mean, in terms of totally breaking the bank, it maybe maybe it won't happen for Manny now, and he's just. His reputation in the game is real. Got really got hurt in the postseason. Everywhere, every time you bring him up with other reporters and fans and so forth, yeah. that's you know this comes up. You know, I think he's still going to get big dollars on a season basis. I think teams are leery of being of having that guy tied to them for ten years. 
I think his term of contract may be a little shorter than he would have thought. Steve, we really appreciate your joining us. Um, I really appreciate the insights and look forward to seeing you soon. You got it, Stan. Thanks. All right, there he goes, Steve Molesky of MassinSports.com. We'll be back with more of the bat around right after these commercial messages. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with the 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. What's up? It's KZ. This season, you can join us for our weekly and season-long pro football picks contest at Loop League. Click the link pinned at the top of my Twitter page, that's at Fans Fantasy, and pick any five games against the spread every week. It's free to sign up, and someone wins a $25 Royal Farms gift card every single week. Plus, we'll have great season-long prizes as well. And check out all the other awesome games at Loop League, where you can link multiple fantasy competitions all at the same time. Join our Picks League now at LoopLeague.com. One third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. Chick-fil-A on Sundays? With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays, perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference, both at home and abroad. On the Army team, Respect is earned daily, and now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No, no, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Press Box's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard post game. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Press Box's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Press Box Sports. 
Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for for 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And we are back, and want to remind you, if you're interested in Chick-fil-A on Sundays, well, you got to act before Sunday, because as we know, Chick-fil-A's are closed. With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays. Perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. And don't forget, if you want a great night of dining and entertainment, you can go to the Costas Inn. My 41, favorite pl- 4100 North Point Boulevard. Why are you interrupting me? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Phone number 410 410- Four seven seven nineteen seventy five. He remembers. That's that. why I interrupted he, you. He remembers that better than he does his girlfriend's number. That's <laughs> it's right. unbelievable. Anyway, you can get great specials throughout the week at the Costas Inn. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. And Wednesday, that's steak Stan's, night, Stan's steak favorite night. night of the week, steak night. Thursday night is Jane's favorite, lobster Lop- night. That's right. why we only go on Thursday. Right. <laughs> great great sandwiches, soups, and you can get the best cream of crab and Maryland crab in the area. And uh, Wonderful crab look, cakes. Don't forget this. All the food's great. There. Don't forget this. The holiday season is here. If you want to ship... Delicious steamed crabs or the Maryland famous crab cakes from the Costas Inn do to anyone you. anywhere around the country. Like they'll if do you it. wanted to send some to Brittany Everett, right? Yeah, I'll they'll be do expecting it. some right. now. Exactly, and that'll get us both out of taking her to dinner. <laughs> Very good. But it'd be it would be good dinner for her. That's right. Yeah. So, but anyway, you can do that. All you got to do is call up and uh, talk to Pete Triantopoulos, and he'll arrange everything for you. And great time of year also to think about getting somebody a gift card to the Costas Inn, maybe $25, $50, or $100. Buy someone you love a great time and a great meal. And don't forget, on New Year's Eve, yeah. the party starts early and will be highlighted by the Rat Pack, Woo, and Rat they, pack. they will ring in the new year with you. All right. And that means that, uh, look, we've already rehearsed it, myself yeah. and, and Nick. We will be singing on New Year's Eve. Really? Yes. What are you singing? Born to Run. Born to Run. All right. That sounds great. Cost us in. All right. Um, we didn't have the uh, phone number for Harold Baines, but Glenn Clark was able to track down the newest Hall of Famer, along with Lee Smith, another former Oriole who played several seasons. How many years was he with? About four or five years? Yeah. He spent with the Baltimore Orioles. Eastern Shore's own uh, child prodigy he was, and he was originally discovered by the late Bill Veck, mm-hmm. who saw him play on the Eastern Shore, Harold Baines. Joining us now here on GCR, the great Harold Baines. Harold, it's Glenn and Kyle and Drew in Baltimore. It's so good to talk to you, sir. Thank you for taking the time for us, and congratulations on the Hall of Fame induction. 
Thank you. Good morning, guys. Hey, you know, a lot of us will go our entire lives without getting a phone call of any particular significance. You got the phone call that so many people in your profession dream of getting. What was that moment like for you? I can't say I was dreaming of it, but it was very <laughs> special, very special moment, uh, very unexpected. But uh, you know, it's been overwhelming the last forty-eight hours, and uh, I'm very humbled by it. And uh, I'm trying to enjoy the moment, which has been pretty hard. Um, you know, you, you say you weren't dreaming of it, but I'm sure that it's something that you know you wouldn't be able to put into words until it actually happened. Um, did you have a sense, like for, for a lot of guys that go through the voting process, they have a sense of how it's going to go, but this with the committee, did you have any sense that this was coming? Not at all, not at all. I mean, I was on there two years ago, and I, I don't know how many votes I got, but uh, I mean, it's, it's even harder to get nominated to be on this special committee, to, to finally make it over top is it's very special sure you, you I, I saw an interview that you did where you're talking about your father and i think a lot of people were really moved by this conversation um for folks that that didn't know the story can you tell me a little bit about why this one why this means more to you because of your dad i think every every young man would want to make their father proud that's all i wanted to do um he was a hard worker he never wanted any uh, recognition from it he, he went to work every day and put clothes and food on her back, and he went to work. So that's more important than uh, some guy sitting there watching a baseball game. This guy um, put the work in, and that's who I patterned myself after. Wow. I mean, it's powerful to hear you talk about that, man. It, what, was, was that the first thought that you had when you got the call? Were you thinking about your dad? I did. He passed away three years ago. That's wow, man. I, you know, and obviously unfortunate that he won't be there. But um, you, you feel like maybe somewhere right now your dad's celebrating this. I uh, definitely. I mean, I've been, especially my dad, but I've gotten more calls from people that I haven't heard in twenty years, which has been, you know, very overwhelming. Was there one that meant the most to you, Harold? The one phone call that you got this week after you got the news? No, you can't put one in. You know, if you get one, that's that's great, but. Whatever call you get is, is very special. Harold, I mentioned at the top that I think, as I did the math, only seven Maryland natives in the Hall of Fame. Like, has that has that struck you at all? Like the path that there's not a whole lot of guys from the Eastern Shore that have gone on to do something like this. Well, I think the Eastern Shore is forgotten. <laughs> but uh, no, I I didn't know that. It's surprising, but uh, when you have this type of weather here, it's kind of hard to you know, actually play the game. So. You know, if you're from the West Coast or the South, you know, it's easier to play around baseball. And it's kind of hard to do that here. So, you know, guys move on to other sports. Well, Harold, there are only two famous people from that were born in Easton Memorial Hospital. <laughs> and, and you know who they are? You and I. <laughs> you were... <laughs> I actually so you got, that. you got me by about three years, but uh, three? I was also born in that beautiful hospital. Oh, yeah, it is. It's, it's great. So, <laughs> just, I just want to let you know, you're in the, we're, yeah. I'm in yeah. the presence of greatness, but so are you. Yeah, that's uh, exactly. Appreciate that. Uh -huh. I'd like to be in that company. Hey, yeah. uh, Harold, real quick on the Orioles' current state, and obviously last year uh, not not so good, but the, you know the, the previous five years before that, very competitive, Buck got them to the American League Championship Series. Now things have changed, and they're getting ready for this sort of massive rebuild. Um, what, if any, advice, if the 
club called you up to say, uh, Harold, give us a piece of your wisdom, what would you tell Mike Elias and uh, his team getting ready to start this rebuild? Uh, not much because I'm I'm not up with this you know all this stat stuff. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of old school, <laughs> so I kind of stay away from that. But that's I mean that's going to be baseball. Everybody's um, um, getting rid of their so-called star players and starting over. Especially if you if you if you're losing 100 games with your star players, and you you better off I guess rebuilding and hopefully you can build with within for the long haul. Baines, I'm going to guess. So this is a. I'm, I'm trying to guess ahead. We're chatting with Harold Baines, who's just elected to the Hall of Fame. I'm trying to think of your favorite memory as an Oriole. And there's so there's two different things that that jump to mind. Obviously, in '97, you guys make that run to the playoffs. But in '95, you get to be part of one of the most memorable nights in baseball history. Does one compare to the other in a more significant way? I think '95 uh, is history. So um, yeah. whenever you can be part of history, so. Um, very special, and now I'm in another fraternity with this great Mariner, which is That's even right. more special. That's right. Cal Ripken, obviously, who you're referring to in 95 being 21-31, and, and you two are two of the seven that are uh, Maryland natives in the Hall of Fame. Harold, your, your time in Baltimore uh, as part of your career, how much did it mean to you? I know everybody associates you with Chicago so closely, and, of course, you had your number there, you re- retired there, but you spent an awful lot of time in Baltimore. How much did that mean to you during your career? It meant a lot. I mean, not too many guys can play in their home home state. I mean, Cal was very fortunate to do his whole career, but I'm glad it happened later in my career where I can really, uh, you know, a lot of people on the shore can, got a chance to see me play that otherwise probably wouldn't if I stayed in Chicago my whole career. And uh, it was very special to sleep in my own bed for seven years. Had, had you grown up rooting for the Orioles? I didn't, I didn't follow baseball. I just played you know, back <laughs> in the 70s. Your mother told you to go outside and come back when it's dark. So we had a, a neighborhood of kids where we just played ball. Obviously, Camden Yards has aged beautifully, and now it's considered to be one of the top stadiums in all the game and has been for some years. But when you were playing in it then, did you realize just how special that ballpark was? Uh, only if I got hit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get up in the nostalgia stuff. Um, I was there to work, so <laughs> you gave me hits for the pitchers. Made a mistake, I tried to take advantage of it. You have an 0 for 3 night, you're like, this ballpark stinks. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible place this is. Hey, Harold, a lot has been made about um, you getting in and what this means uh, you know, for other guys who are designated hitters. And Edgar's, of course, on, on the, the other ballot for the final time this year. Do you feel like, you know, in a way, that this means something more for, for designated hitters in general, that this could be the opportunity for a lot of other guys that – maybe haven't gotten as much attention to now be credited that, you know, the, the job that you do is still a significant part of a baseball team winning and losing. I agree. I mean, the, the, the current, well, he just retired, Big Poppy was a prime example. I don't think Boston would have won any of those World Series without them being there other than the one they won this year. So DH is part of the game. Uh, it should be recognized. And uh, if, um, if the numbers are there and, he should be rewarded for it. Look, we're celebrating here, but obviously I'm sure you've heard from people that have been like, oh, I don't know about Harold Baines. Does it bother you that people have been trying to take away from this moment for you? Uh, not really, because uh, I, I try not to worry about things out of my control. Sure. I mean, I didn't control me getting in, but you know, it's always a little bit of negativity out there. So, 
And then you know, on the other side, there's some opportunity still for I, like I, you. You spent a season with Lee in Baltimore, right? And so that's yeah, I did, I did. That's got to be a kind of of a neat moment for you to be able to go in with one of your your former teammates. And there's more opportunities for other former teammates to get in in, in January. Yeah, it'd be nice. I'm seeing her, you know. Hopefully, you know. Um, um, Lee is a was a funny guy. I mean, I was just with him in uh, Vegas. One, the biggest thing I remember about Lee Smith is he took a three inning nap during the game before. <laughs> He would go out and pitch the ninth inning and shut it down. Did somebody have to come wake him up? <laughs> uh, sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> Is everybody allowed to do that? <laughs> uh, I think you have to have the longevity in order to do that. You, you know, you, you have enough saves at some point. They say, you know what? If it helps keep you fresh for the ninth, you go ahead and do no, it. If you, if, you, if you get the job done, you take a little... A little more lean than it. Mariano showed up in the seventh, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Rivera, Rivera's car arrived somewhere in the fifth inning. No doubt about that. Hey, um, it's Harold. You bring up Mike Messina, too. Are you are you surprised? Can you consider his numbers? And people bring up, like, his numbers are better than Glavin's for their career. Are you surprised that it's taken this long for people to really recognize how truly worthy he is? I am, but, you know, I don't know all the criteria. It's about the... Uh, the team winning. I mean, Gladden played on a lot of winning teams. So is that, is that a part of it? I don't know the criteria of the writers considering, you know, these guys. I mean, I was only on there one year on the original, original ballot. So it's hard to really tell what the um, writers are thinking. I so to totally understand that. Hey, Harold, one more before we let you go. We really appreciate the time. Uh, the conversation this week about banning the shift. What, what do you make of that? Do you think baseball's trying too hard, or do you think it would help the game? I think they're trying too hard. I think it's just part of the game. I, it was, it was switching back in the in the eighties, so it might be more a little more severe, but um, um, it's part of the game. Again, I mean, these, these are um, human beings, not machines. So you can't you can't tell a person where to stand or not to stand. Right. Just my opinion. You're not allowed to do any like advanced research on a team. Like you got to you guys got to stop trying so hard in order to win these games. It's just a real problem for us in baseball. So <laughs> stop doing that. Hey Harold, uh, for a generation of baseball fans, those Orioles teams uh, and I, I think about 2131, I think about 1997, those were the best memories that that we had and you guys were it was so much fun to watch you guys go out and compete night in and night out. And uh, we are really thrilled for you and, and for the entire state of Maryland. It's a really wonderful moment uh, that you're going to be headed into the Hall of Fame this summer. Thank you so much for taking some time for us this morning. We really appreciate it. You know, a lot of people talk about just the fact that, uh, you know, Glenn, Glenn brought it up that, you know, from the Eastern Shore, nobody's really – you know, and I and the first person that I thought of was, although he was not was Drew Forrester. No, 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 was not uh, <laughs> from there. Yeah, uh, Art Shell, who went to UMES in Princess Anne. I did not remember. Oh, absolutely. That. Yeah. yeah, and 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 Art was from South Carolina, but he's an NFL Hall yeah, of Famer. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Part of that great offensive was, line with the Oakland Raiders. Was he born at the? <laughs> no, no. You know, and I, you can tell how impressed Harold was, <laughs> was by. That By was, knowing that he was born in the same hospital. That was almost like Jeff Kent's reaction yeah. to the fan, to the writer who was <laughs> yeah. a fan. All right, that was a nice interview and great to uh, catch up with Harold Baines. We thank Glenn Clark for conducting that interview yesterday as part of his show. And uh, Craig Heiss knew about it, mentioned it to me, and, and Glenn well, said, I, sure, you know, we can grab it. Sure. One of the things with Press Box is the fact that the 
live shows, the live streams, when they're about ready to happen, they always pop up as a warning mm-hmm. on my computer, and that allows me to just go ahead and click on it and, and watch it, and I watch the... Uh, or in the case of me, when a warning comes up, you make sure you don't listen right, to it. Right, and then the delete button is there. <laughs> <laughs> but we were able to watch the Glenn Clark interview yesterday, and uh, uh, Harold, like I said, does not say a whole lot. No. Uh, but pretty thoughtful in some of his comments there, especially when it comes to guys like Lee Smith. And, uh, you know, just the, the whole idea about he's honest. He, he talks yeah, about he was cri- very honest with the criteria, with the criteria. Yeah. And he doesn't want to necessarily comment on something he doesn't do a whole lot of research on. So from that standpoint, I you know, think it's pretty cool. All right. And I have no and that one guy we're going to talk to here shortly. Uh, I'm sure has some comments on that. And, I, and I, my guess is, Stan, he probably thinks. The didn't, same way he didn't, he didn't answer the phone. Oh, he didn't answer the phone. Yeah. Well, regardless, well, regardless, he's a great guy. He's a great Richard guy. Justice. We'll see whether or not we can get him on the phone. Yes. Uh, but I, I think that Richard would probably feel the same way you and I feel about it. I have no trouble with Harold Baines going in the Hall of Fame. No, you know, you know, Milt Pappas, and I know it was a little self-serving of him. He said, "I thought the and and again, I would tell Milt this. I don't think Milt was." quite a hall of famer but he's right on the cusp of it but if you do certain comparisons you know uh the shutouts the complete games and how many games you won in each it's not the world's worst thing and he used to say i thought the hall of fame was for letting people in the hall of fame Mm -hmm. not for keeping them out right and i and i think a lot of that too you can the the committee that you and steve were talking about now the what do they call it the the, the, the current players uh, current committee play, or something, something like, like that. that yeah the new era yeah new, the new era. era committee you know these these committees are made up of people that played with these players played managed, managed against managed them, them or, or, or the team yeah, right exactly so i mean i i value their opinion probably more than any sports writer that's going to be voting yeah so well, anyway, uh, it's uh, it's in Harold Baines and Lee Smith go into the Hall of Fame. It's interesting, uh, uh, Craig, is that while, while, again, if I were a voting member, I'm not sure I would have voted for Harold Baines every year, but it surprised me that he was on and off the ballot in one year. Yeah, I think only— That is four, shocking. Only like 6 or 7% of the vote, you right, know, right. so— Again, that that shows you with when you need the five percent of the vote to stay on the ballot, yeah. uh, and and those numbers haven't changed. I don't think Stan <laughs> from the time he was put on the ballot until now he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't mean to make too much of this, Craig, but I I really think that my I think it would be very interesting for baseball to create a committee. You know, and I know you can have committees till the end of time. But I think a cold case committee would be very interesting. You know, 10 years from now, we may feel very differently. News might come out about Rafael Palmero, for example, that sort of exonerates him from having really knowingly cheated. Uh, and yet there would be no, no way to, have that, to yeah. have that erased. Or Jim Cott or Tony Oliva, where a cold case committee would go back and sort of forensically study why a person didn't make it and think 
whether or not that person was justified. You know? Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I, and I think there are certain situations where that could be very helpful and useful. And, again, you mentioned Rafi, and there are certain things I know about that that were told to me privately, and I, I, would, I would support somebody going back and looking at it. Yeah. All right. Well, it's interesting. You know, again, with Rafi, I've got a slightly different bit of knowledge than you have. I don't have the insights from having known him the way you did. But uh, Rafi, uh, I, I think if he ever did cheat, it was at the very end. I, I think if he did cheat, it was at the very end. And I don't think that that should eradicate what he did for the the 15, 16 years when he was one of the most feared hitters in the game of baseball. Well, I totally agree with you. And, uh, again, uh, uh, the thing that I have problem with sometimes with this debate society that I told you I was a part of, yeah. you know, the Cooperstown uh, Debate Society, is the fact that the, the moderator of the group will just throw names out there to throw them out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I thought this was supposed to be an actual debate society. Right. Not, not throwing somebody's name up against the wall to see if it sticks. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, joining us right now is MLB.com's very fine writer. He lives in the Houston, Texas area. And that is our friend Richard Justice. Richard, how are you, my friend? No, no, no. How are you guys? <laughs> We are we are fine. Well, well, let me ask you this: What do you got for me today? <laughs> um, what do you got? I like that. Now, is uh, which is more topic of conversation today: Orioles or Nationals? It's Orioles, right? This is an Orioles show. Uh, well, uh, we're actually talking some Hall of Fame stuff today uh, because uh, we just Hall had Harold. We just had Harold Baines, uh, a taped interview that Glenn Clark did with him yesterday, and we were talking a little mm -hmm. bit about Harold Baines. I love Harold. So you, it seemed so, like it seemed like every year the Orioles tried to get him, yep. and we would always have all these trade rumors. And then one year they did get him. You know, um, somebody wrote something great this week about the vitriol after Harold got in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was so over the top, and I think it just seems like it's the era in which we live. Yep, people just want to look for a reason to be mad about something. Look, Harold Harold had a great career. You know. Should he belong in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. I know this. Of the four guys that these committees have put in the last two years, Trammell, Morris, Lee Smith, and Harold, I voted for three of them regularly. In mm. fact, it was so bad with Alan Trammell that every time I'd see him, I, I'd want to apologize. I mean, <laughs> on three of the four, we got it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Harold had a great career, and there's nobody that knows Harold or watched Harold play or looked at Harold's numbers and can say anything other than this was a really good baseball player. And it's not the end of the world that Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame. Well, let me ask you this. Did you happen to see the interview with Mad Dog Russo? I did. And, I was standing about 20 feet away. All right. And I, Tony basically took him to task on it. Yeah. Um, you know, Tony was not right. And certainly in that... I don't know that Mad Dog buys all the inside data. Mm -hmm. He just, I, he actually has a good way. He likes to go through a player's career and go, how many Hall of Fame seasons did a guy have? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good way to look at it. That's mm -hmm. a different way to look at it. Um, but, um, 
you know, I mean, Tony knows the. I think, you know, Tony and Jerry Reinsdorf were both on that committee. Who else was on that committee? There were a couple of players. Andy, that, Andy that McPhail, know. Andy McPhail, oh, Pat, Gillick, Andy Pat Gillick, Pat Gillick, Pat Gillick. Gillick, yeah, exactly. And see, they know the kind of man the guy was. Mm-hmm. They know contributor. And whether you believe in clutch stats or not, I mean, Harold was kind of a, if you were the uh, opposing team, Harold was a nightmare with men on base. Yeah. And I, I know that modern data doesn't support that. I, I'd never voted for Harold for the Hall of Fame. I'm fine with Harold sitting, you know, it comes yep. down to Sunday afternoon in Cooperstown. You look up on that stage and there's Colfax and um, Willie Mays, Frank Robinson. Does Harold belong up there in, in that club? I have no problem with that. I mean, yep. there are different, you know, there are different degrees of, of Hall of Famer. Frank Robinson's on one end of the scale and there are others on the other end of the scale. Everybody's not going to be Frank Robinson. That doesn't mean Frank should be the only player in the Hall of Fame. Richard, let me ask you this. The the committee now, it used to be called the Veterans Committee. What's it called now? The New Era? New Era, t- New Era well, Committee or Today's Era? One. Yeah. It's a different one every, I think it rotates like three every three years. So, for right. instance, Steinbrenner, which is part of that committee, he can't, he, de- he doesn't, he, he won't come up again until 2021. Okay. So here's my question about that. Would you be in favor, and I know you can out-committee yourself to death, but <laughs> you remember the TV show Cold Case? Right. Uh, a Cold Case committee to go back and study people like Tony Oliva, Don Mattingly. In other words, my fear is the guys that are going to get in from this Today committee are going to be the guys that were most recent, and there's a whole bevy of people that are kind of forgotten. Uh, well, that, that no, really... I, the three committees are supposed to take care of that as different eras. Okay. So theoretically, it would be covered. Okay. On that. Are okay. you a Tony? Are you a Tony Oliva belongs in? Uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked at his numbers in so long. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't think him. Maybe I never. I probably never voted when he was on the ballot. No. I don't remember what was his. I don't know what his last year on the ballot was. I'm not sure myself. He he his career was shortened a great deal because of terrible knee injuries that he had. But prior to that, he was a and almost like Roberto Clemente of the American League for about five yeah. or six years. You know, and the, the, everything you said pretty much applies to Mattingly. When he was good, he was better than anybody. Yep. But when he began to tail off, it went off. It, it went down. It went down fast. Um, I just sent my ba- I sent my ballot to that guy that keeps track this morning. I voted for ten. I voted for Bonds and Clemens, mm-hmm. Schilling and Musina, Edgar Martinez. That's five. Rivera six. Roland seven. Uh, Billy Wagner eight. Larry Walker nine. And who am I leaving out? Uh, I don't remember who I'm leaving out. I did. I did not vote for my two guys, Lance Berkman and Andy Pettit. But I hope they get enough to stay on the ballot for a while. Well, well, our good friend, our good friend uh, Ken Rosenthal, always looks at me and says before any kind of press conference that we're going to, and he happen, <laughs> and he happens to be there. He'll always say, "Heisty, throw out the first statement." So at least you got one of your guys right on that ballot. <laughs> well, that's where Musina would go, Craig. That's not in the form of a question. <laughs> Hey, uh, hey, Tony Oliva played from 1962 to 76. 
had 1,917 hits, batted 304, 353 on base percentage, led the American League in hits five times, scored 100 runs twice, drove in 100 runs twice. But, but How many Hall of Fame? Uh, what, what was his career OPS? His career OPS was 830. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. What, uh, what, what did he top out on the Hall of Fame ballot? I don't know that. Don't have that on oh, the baseball okay. reference page. But he was, he was bl- not blindsided. He was killed the last five, four years, four plus years of his career. He had seasons where he drove in one run because he only played 10 games. The next year in 73, came back and drove in 92 runs. But his last three seasons, 57, 58, and 16, crippled by knee injuries. Well, I know one thing you're, I was... You know what you talk about, like, going back and revisiting? It's amazing how the things we valued, say, 20 years ago in assessing a player's career, we evaluate different things now. Yeah. yeah. And there are more and better ways to assess a player's career. And it's interesting, there's, the culture war is really exposed at this time of year, where some people... Just say, you know, I still believe in RBIs. Uh, I still believe in batting average. Wins for a uh, pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely, that's the best one of all. He, and uh, he had a career war uh, of he had a career war of forty three point one, and his well, numbers see, that's, uh, and that's his, in the neighborhood. And, I, I mean, I think I think uh, Mike Trout's right about there right now. Yeah, and, and he's. Just passed, maybe just past a halfway point in his well, career, and, and which Baines, tells you Mike Trout's going to be a top ten player, right? Oh, and no and Baines was thirty seven more, yeah. So, yeah, uh, and the, the guy, who's the guy? He's right below a Hall of Famer who had like a Sandy Koufax type career, a short career, uh, and explosive numbers, led the league in everything. If mm-hmm. you look on the the list there, yeah. right on the on the WAR career list. So it's a good debate. I, I like yeah. it because it keeps people talking about baseball. You know, this week, um, who was it? Dave Dombrowski said, I think there ought to be a deadline. I love that on, idea. Uh, I love that idea. No, I don't because I think it's good to talk about it all year long. And also the dynamics of free agency have changed. It used to be like if you went into January you knew you were a player, you panicked. Like, I don't know where my kids are going to be in school. I don't mm-hmm. know where I'm going to be standing. But now free agency extends regularly into January, and they're going to be guys into February. Let's talk I like talking. Like, uh, you, yeah. well, you guys need it. For, you need fodder for the talk show. It's no, we can always just call pocket. Richard Justice That's and right. we make it up. We make it up as we go. <laughs> hey, tell me, I mean, wh- you, where do you, you think? You can't have Peter Schmuck on that often. No. <laughs> 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 tell, tell us where you think uh, – Bryce Harper's going to end up, and where's Manny Machado going to end Los up? An- uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. For Harper. Uh, for Harper and the New York Yankees for Manny Machado. Any possibility Harper comes back to the Nationals? Uh, no, I don't think so. Really? I mean, they offered – well, I think with the Lerner family, <laughs> they offered him $300 million. And he acted like – I don't want to say he was insulted, but he didn't say – Hey, you know what? We're on to something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's work, true. Let's work from there. You know, I don't know. But you've got to emphasize how Scott Boris negotiates. And it, it frustrates people, and people get played. You give him a number. The Nationals offered 10 years, $300 million. He doesn't counter it. He doesn't reject it. He doesn't do anything. Right. And what happened for many years, decades, was 
you would you wanted the guy you know and free agency was always partly emotional satisfying the, t- the ticket buyers the media all that stuff so what the Texas Rangers did is, oh, my God, we don't have him. We're going to have to add another $50 million to the deal. Right. Still no answer from Scott. Well, we're going to have to ask, answer another $100 million to the deal. And he just lets you keep bidding against yourself. He sits there and he sits there and looks at his phone and checks Twitter, and you just keep raising the offer. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, how great the guy is, how he has figured out the art of negotiating. You know, he did his thing with the, he did 56 media, minutes with the media at the winter meetings. It was 10 deep in front of a Christmas tree. If you just look at the photos, it looked like all these people, hundred or so, are interviewing the, the Christmas tree. And then he did one-on-ones with everybody. But if you say to Scott, Scott, I'm from Fargo, North Dakota, and or is it South Dakota? No, South it's North Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. Um, and, and you say, um, our team there in Fargo, we're getting a semi-pro team, and they would really like to make a splash by signing Bryce Harper. And Scott will say, well, you know, Bryce has a great affinity for Fargo. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he gives, like, when you do it, like, in our place, everybody, one person has to go through the whole transcript, and you just dole it out. Uh, Angels, here's something for your beat writer. Uh, Red Sox, here's something for you. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible, you know. Sometimes I think maybe we shouldn't give him the oxygen. But this is what we do. We cover the sport, and he's the most powerful, one of the most powerful people in the sport. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, in terms of the possibility of him returning to Washington, knowing what this free agent market has been like and played through through the last couple of years, is that big-time deal going to be out there? And I don't necessarily mean money, but I'm talking about in terms of length of deal as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's – I mean, we don't have 26-year-old free agents very much. Right. So uh, I, I just think I think it's the point he won't do it, but if he just gives a team a number, mm-hmm. that he's going to hit that number. And I don't know what the number is. You mean, you mean longer than ten years, right? I mean, he's right. going to get ten years. Yeah. And, d- and and if Scott Scott let's say Scott goes to the learners and he gets ten years, three hundred fifty million, and then he asks for a couple of out years. Right. <laughs> I'd say to him. <laughs> Well, we'd like a couple of out years too, buddy boy. It's uh, it's astonishing amount of money, and uh, and it's it's. I'm not. I, nobody can say he's not worth it because the game is generating all kinds of revenues and all of that. What's and what, uh, you haven't asked me about the Orioles yet. Well, we, no, we, 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 we and we've will. only got about four or five minutes. Let me let me get well, to a couple uh, quick look, things. Uh, let uh, me get to a couple okay. quick things. It was the most shocking turn of events this week? Andrew McCutcheon's three-year contract at fifty million. No, I think I think if you go inside the numbers and look, this is still a really good baseball player. I mean, has he is he what he was in twenty twelve? Maybe not, but he's he you, he's a guy that analytics helps. I mean, the guys I talk to are are in love with the guy still. He's well, his own base a, percentage is still very high. Yeah, he's an impact guy. He, what does Adam Jones? Games. What does Adam Jones get then if McCutcheon got? I that? saw Adam this week, by the way. Yeah. He was at the baseball assistance team breakfast, and that's a good cause. Uh, what does he get? I don't know. I think he's going to have to wait, you know, for Pollock, for Michael Brantley, and yeah. those guys to come off the market. All right, let's talk Baltimore. How did? Yeah. Well, how well did John and Lewis get 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 it done with hiring Mike Elias and Sig Meidel? Well, the um, the press conference announcing Mike 
somebody wrote this. This is like, the, it was not a co- an introduction to Mike. It was an introduction to John and Lou as well. Yeah. And they came off great. I talked to Jim Henneman in Vegas, and he said, can you believe it? You know, like a lot of us, like I know John. Uh, I don't know Lewis at all. And But they were so impressive, and it's like they get it. And they've hired, let me just tell you, Whatever you thought of the Orioles before, I know an NFL GM that went and spoke to the Orioles and came away not impressed in terms of they were not foreign, they were not invested in analytics and mm-hmm. international scouting. And he thought the next GM has got a world of work to do. I think John and Lewis understand that. They've hired a brilliant, brilliant man. And the only reason Sig Dell is there is that he's, a, for people who don't know, he worked for Lockheed Martin. He's truly a rocket scientist. Yes. Jeff Luno lured to St. Louis and then to Houston. He wants a chance to build something all over again. The Astros and other teams have had a, a, a vision down the road that you would have an analyst in uniform. Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, I think, is going to have that this mm-hmm. year. And Sig was in uniform last year, rookie ball, to getting a ground-level view of players and coaches and managers and vice versa. Uh, Sig wants to do it all over again. It, there is no, and Milwaukee's pretty good, in Houston and L.A. and Tampa Bay, but there's no front office going to be any better than Baltimore and uh, it's going to take some time but a lot of this first year is going to be infrastructure yep. just setting things up hiring analysts and and all of that but I am I'm so excited for Michael Lyons because he is such he's such a people person he's an he's an inspirational guy and Sig is one of the best people I've ever known he is funny last year he said that to one of us hey stop making it seem like I'm so important People that are important don't park in the B lot. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about how did they do now with their first managerial hire? He fits. He's the prototype. He, yeah. you, what you're looking for is Kevin Cash, AJ Hinch, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Roberts. You're looking for a guy. People skills first, first and foremost. Comfortable managing up. That's collaboration with the front office. Managing down, and to be able to take that avalanche of data. And how do you, we know what the, there's, there's mountains of information on the way and more coming every day, but how do you translate it to the players? How do you get a player to have all that information and still step into the batter's box with a clear mind? And that's what they're still working through, but it's not data. It's not just numbers. Now it's study of the human body. Injury prevention is Mm -hmm. the next frontier. The Brewers just opened a performance center at their complex in Arizona like how do we study what works this and mental skills coach and all of that. It's an unbelievably fascinating time to be involved. And now the Orioles, I promise you, they're going to be on the cutting edge of everything because Mike and Sig have a vision of of things that we couldn't even imagine 10 years ago. Real quick before we let you go, do you have any insight into Brandon Hyde, who you think he could reach out to to be part of his uh, coaching staff. It won't be Brandon reaching out. It'll be a collaboration. Okay. And uh, no, I don't. I, I don't know. But you know, he, he's forty-five years old. He's worked in player development. Um, it's what do you want? What do you want? And look, look at what Tampa Bay just hired. And they, they hired a mental skills guy, a director of analytics process, and all of that. And uh, you'll see people. You'll see young people walking around Camden Yards now. Who uh, <laughs> who uh, have uh, advanced degrees and uh, and uh, MIT and math and as Stan, you and I spent a few hours. It's 
things that Bertie Tebbets couldn't have imagined. I know, I know. <laughs> hey, Richard, we really appreciate your coming on. We're uh, late for a break, and we got to get out of here. I'm going to do this in my best Mike Messina question yeah. answer. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Richard, when, uh, when the uh, Hall of Fame comes out in middle of January, we'll get you back on the show. Thanks, Moose. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Happy holidays Bye. to you, Marty, and the kids. All right? All right, there you go. There was uh, Richard Justice. All right. We got to tell people about the Costas Inn again. 4100 North Point Boulevard. Monday night. Crab is cake night. Crab cake night. Tuesday night is ribs night. Ribs Wednesday night. Ni- when- Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Is steak night. And Thursday that's the night you really should go and leave Jane at home. That's a good idea. There you go. That's a good idea, but she would break my arm if I did that. Well, that's an even better she idea. To go, she <laughs> wants to go Thursday night when it's lobster night. That's because she likes lobster. And thir- and Friday night, there's a whole bevy of... There's specials, specials on the menu on. every night. Yeah. All right. Tell folks about New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. They will, the ring, they will ring in the new year with the Rat Pack. Rick Oliguer and company, some of the best 70s and 80s music and some original stuff. That you'll hear. Best three-piece band out there. Costas in, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Tell them Stan the Fan and Craig Heist sent you. You said you're singing, Craig, right? Oh, I am that. Yeah, well, Nick Nick and I that will be... keep people away. Well, no, <laughs> Nick and I will be, you know... Born to we'll run. We'll be performing that night. Born yes. to run. All yes. right. 4100 North Point Boulevard, a great place to get a holiday gift card for somebody. Call them at 410-477-1975. Our favorite place to Costas in. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference, both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg profiles six-time pro bowler Marshall Yanda, an NFL star so unlikely he still drives a beat-up old pickup truck. Plus, our annual college basketball preview as we break down all of the Division I men's and women's hoops teams in the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with the 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. 
Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Orioles podcast around. Look forward to listening every week. These guys are coconuts, and if that's not enough reason to listen, they are a great listen if you want Orioles talk, even during the offseason. If you're lucky, they might even talk about the Ravens. Josh, Matt, and Bert are a must-listen every week. Check Section 336 out for yourself on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? It's KZ. This season, you can join us for our weekly and season-long pro football picks contest at Loop League. Click the link pinned at the top of my Twitter page. That's at Fans Fantasy. And pick any five games against the spread every week. It's free to sign up. And someone wins a $25 Royal Farms gift card every single week. Plus, we'll have great season-long prizes as well. And check out all the other awesome games at Loop League, where you can link multiple fantasy competitions all at the same time. Join our Picks League now at loopleague.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will cater your holiday party at home, at the office, or as that contribution you make to your friend's party. Take the nugget platter. I guarantee your friends will eat every bite. Enough with the meatballs in a crock pot. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square will cook it, pack it, and if you'd like, deliver it. Sandwiches, sliders, waffle fries, desserts, even breakfast. Have you tried the Chick-fil-A chicken minis? Delicious. You have enough to do. Don't add more cooking. For not only will your catering platter be sensational, but your home will smell amazing and you won't be exhausted by the time your party starts. Order online or through your Chick-fil-A app. If you need help, ask Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. He's been there for 150 years. He knows how to do everything. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, for the holidays, you're welcome. Well, the uh, show has come to an end, and we really do need—we really do need to get out of here because our producer, is ready rather leave. than doing her job, right, has going to leave. And right. if we go like one or two seconds over, yeah, yeah. So you said ten more minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a I big a half, difference. And if I said a half hour, you would leave. I mean, I would get paid for it. So yeah, she'd get yeah. paid. For yeah. It. yeah. So Nobody what are you? What are you griping about? Yeah. <laughs> sit, sit tight. You act anyway, like you just graduated out. college. We're going to get out of here. Uh, do you think you'll be in next week? I can't imagine why not. So next week is the 22nd. 22nd. Before Christmas. All right. We yeah. hope to have. I mean, unless Ken. something comes up basketball-wise that I don't know about yet. Right. We but. hope to have Ken Singleton among our okay, guests good next enough. week. All right. Thanks for setting up the Richard Justice interview. He's always great. He'll come back and talk uh, uh, Hall of Fame. Well, that's why I ask it in the form of a statement as opposed to, yeah, exactly. All right. Hey, we appreciate your listening. Remember to like and share this show every time you listen to it. Tomorrow, uh, fantasy and reality football show. It's easy for me to say with Kyle Ottenheimer, the host Ken Zalis, and his co-host, Sarita Hubbard. Then at halftime, Project Game Day brought to you by Glory Days Grill with Glenn Clark. And post-game, Sarita Hubbard and Glenn Clark with Project Game Day, brought to you by Glory Days, Glenn Clark, Kyle Attenheimer, every day of the week, Monday through Friday. If the Ravens get down 10 points in that first half tomorrow, you will see Joe Flacco play quarterback. All right. Well, we'll see. I think it has something to do with how if, if Lamar Jackson is fumbled, thrown an interception, been loose with the ball – 
and we're down 10 or 13 points at the half, I could see that. Yes, I could. All right, uh, real quick, though, and I know we can't go 10 minutes because Brittany won't allow it. If the season ends where Joe Flacco hasn't played again, okay, the Ravens season, do you think he's a fit in Washington with what the tragic uh, injury to Alex Smith? Well, he's a fit, but I would, I would certainly, if I was advising Joe, I'd stay anywhere stay away from that away place. From exactly. Yeah. Well, the the far away is the issue. I hear Joe has no desire to really uproot his family and move to Jacksonville. Or well, I'm sure know. that's the case. Yeah. Uh, but again, a chance to play while you still can play yeah. and still can contribute to a team, I yeah. think, would probably. I think he's a great fit in Washington. He could very years. well be, yeah. And he's got some receivers to throw the ball to down there. All right. That wraps up our show. Have a great weekend, everybody, and get all your holiday shopping done.